So you ever wonder what kind of people get into MIT? Or what they do after they graduate? Welcome to this week's episode of Unlimited, also known as Bila Hudud. We're brought to you by the MIT Arab Alumni Association. Here, we talk about the different paths Arab students took to get to MIT while they were students and after graduation. What we hope to uncover is that these paths, quite like the people who took them, are unlimited. I'm your host, Dana Dabbousi, class of 2020, and thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Unlimited. Hello, Sahla, and welcome to this week's episode of Unlimited. Just as a quick reminder, our Pi series starts on March 14th, uh, commemorating Pi Day 3.14. So tune in to hear all about what it's like to be a student at MIT today. This week, we're meeting someone who's been doing a lot of the behind the scenes work as Unlimited's co-editor and the treasurer of the MIT Arab Alumni Association. Ma'moon Tuqan, Masters of Supply Chain Management, Class of 2018. He is the Head of Business Development at Arab Transit, a shipping and logistics company, and is the co-founder and CEO of ArcFlow, a startup he founded while at MIT. So without further ado, here's Ma'moon. Ma'moon is Head of Business Development at Arab Transit, a shipping and logistics company based in Jordan. He is a co-founder and the CEO of ArcFlow, a cloud platform founded by MIT alumni that helps businesses streamline supply chain workflows while collaborating with their network partners. Matmoon has over 10 years of theoretical expertise and direct experience in shipping and logistics and has been involved in projects focusing on digitalization and integration processes. So welcome to the show, Matmoon. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dana. Thanks for having me. For those who listen to the episode to its end, you can probably tell Matmoon helps us uh, with the editing process for Unlimited. So it's great to have you actually interviewed for the board series. Yeah, it's been a pleasure being in the background. So let's let's hear a little bit more about what your official title is within the MIT Arab Alumni Association uh, and what you've been up to since joining the board. So I am the treasurer. And my role is to overlook the AAA's budget, keep track of expenses, support initiatives from a funding standpoint. I also try to help out wherever I can. I mean, I've taken the role of co-editing the podcast with you. And it's been a nice uh, journey to learn a new skill. I've also decided to take on another initiative with the AAA that's being cooked for this year. And it is the promotion of the MicroMasters program to the Arab world. So what is the MicroMasters program? Uh, So the MicroMasters is a new kind of certification. It's been offered by institutions that are on the edX platform. MIT was the pioneer uh, with their supply chain management program. And today I think MIT has six programs. Basically, it's, it's a set of courses that you do online. And then there's a capstone exam that encompasses all, all of the courses, and you get this uh, new credential. And this credential, the MicroMasters, would also give you credits for certain universities, and MIT is one of them. 
And um, you can learn more online by visiting edX.org or like looking up MicroMasters at MIT. Great. And I, I think we'll hear a little bit more about it going forward because you yourself were a recipient of a MicroMasters uh, degree and then later continued uh, to get a master's degree at MIT. Exactly. Yeah. Great. So I think we can start at the beginning. So Matmoon, you grew up in Jordan in a family that was uh, working in supply chain for many years before you got involved. So could you tell us a little bit about what it was like growing up there and how you eventually got to the University of Toronto? Yeah, so I grew up in Amman, lived here basically all my life up until uh, my undergrad. Uh, growing up, I was very passionate about tech and IT and for some reason never pursued it. And I think it was because of my surroundings at the time and um there wasn't much materials to learn on your own, at least like online, as there is today. I was heavily influenced by my family business in shipping and logistics. I did the uh, IB program in high, in high school. Uh, found that I was very interested in pursuing economics uh, for my undergrad. Uh, and a part of that was, again, I think was very much influenced by the family business. Uh, my favorite topics in economics was international trade. And it's, it's funny because every project that I had growing up, I would always choose a topic that relates to ports and transportation. And Aqaba, uh, Jordan's only city port, ha has always to be a part of the discussion. Uh, and that was also the case when, even when I went, when I did my master's degree at MIT uh, with the capstone project. So uh, like you said, for some reason, I ended up studying in Canada at the University of Toronto. I'm not sure how the decision was made, to be honest. I was very quick. Uh, I always pictured myself as studying in the US or UK, but it was, uh, I think, the best decision that I've made nonetheless. I loved it. So tell us a little bit about what your experience in Toronto was like. Uh, so Toronto is a great city. For some reason, there was a lot of Arabs, uh, when, even from Jordan, uh, from my high school when, when I was there. Uh, so we had a nice community uh, to, to fall back on, at least like for the first two years. Oh, wow. Even from, from your uh, high school? I think we were around eight or ten students. I think most of us were at, at UFT to start. And wow. then um, others like were around Toronto. And we'd all meet up in the weekends or Eid, holidays. But it was, it was nice, you know? Amazing. And um, yeah, I, I ended up studying finance and economics. Uh, I was hoping to get end up in uh, investment banking or consultancy after graduation because like, this is what the program basically tailors you for or gets you prepped for. But then during graduation or just after graduation, I just decided to come back uh, to Jordan to join the family business and said, you know, I'll give this a chance like a, a year or two and then go back to Toronto. Uh, to pursue like an investment banking career for a few years or a consultancy, because uh, that never really happened. So how long did you work before you decided to pursue a master's? So it was seven years. So I joined the family business in 2011. Um, my, my vision was to get the company into the digital age. And the ultimate goal was to create paperless workflows uh, and prior to doing that, I started off in operations uh, to learn things from the ground up. 
in the early days, that meant sleepless nights, uh, sometimes at the ports, uh, monitoring discharge operations. My cousin and I managed to standardize uh, the, the workflows, digitize a big chunk, a big chunk of them with the help of a friend of ours in IT. It was really tough uh, juggling both, like uh, being part of in operations and at the same time wanting to digitize. And it was something that I, I learned later on that basically if you want to implement digital transformation, you first need to understand the workflows, standardize them, create some sort of a prototype, make sure that everyone accepts it, and then like, do the tech investment. And the cool thing with what we do um, in like, shipping, logistics, is the exposure to a lot of industries and the interaction with like, different people from around the world. Yeah, and so wanting to bring in like change to the company and like, the industry as a whole has really always prompted me to like look for online tutorials, certifications, courses. And even though I loved what I was doing, um, it wasn't, it, I, I didn't feel content, right? And felt that, you know, I need to do a master's. But at the same time, I felt that I was too involved into the business that I couldn't go uh, do a master's degree. And this is where, um, I guess, I stumbled upon the uh, MicroMasters. And that was in 2015. So in 2015, you're fully immersed in the business uh, and you discover this uh, MicroMasters program. Can you tell us how it's designed? I, I hear it's designed for uh, people who are you know, juggling their full-time jobs and trying to uh, get a, a new degree and certification. So can you tell us more about what your experience with it was like? Yeah. So in, in 2015, actually, it wasn't called the MicroMasters. It was, it was called, uh, like, MIT offered a supply chain management program called the X-Series. And uh, I stumbled upon it by, by chance, just doing uh, a Google search on uh, the, the master's program that's being offered by MIT in supply chain management. So I en enrolled in, in, in the first course. And then, um, to my luck, at the end of the course, uh, they tell us that, oh, we're, we're, we're canceling the, the X-Series we're discontinuing it and introducing a new credential called the MicroMasters, where it's now a five-course program, and then you do a capstone exam. And once you earn the credential, you can apply to, to come on campus with the credits of, uh, you know, for, with whatever you've taken online are credited towards your master's degree. Oh, that's great. So your your did your first class that you took when you were still in the X series count towards your MicroMasters? It did. It was uh, the, the the topic was called supply chain design. I retook really it anyways, just because like now it it seemed like they have a better, like a more clear understanding about the the program where it's going and how it fit into the overarching program, right? Yeah, exactly. How how long did it take you to get through the the courses? So like I said, it was five, uh, five courses, one final exam. And I think each course ran for three months. Mm. And, and at, at the time, like initially, it was just, they were just offering one course at the time. And mm. the instructors, um, the professors were very much heavily involved in, in the community. Um, they would hold sessions online to talk to the students. I think the first cohort was around 
2,000 students, uh, you know, by the end of it, like by the end of the, the capstone exam. And from the 2,000 students, only uh, 40 students got on campus through this new uh, path. Wow. At least like from the first cohort, right? But then like over the years, uh, the program grew and they've been running, I think, two courses at the same time. So the numbers have increased. And in terms of timing, it took... It took me two years to, to complete the program and just because they were still in this uh, at the start of it, right? You were right at the start. <laughs> yeah. Uh, today, it takes, I think, around a year and a half to two years, depending on how much time you have and how much, uh, like if, if you're doing two courses at the same time, I think this would uh, reduce the time. Right. I actually, after I heard that you had taken this uh, program, I started looking into it myself and... Uh, found that there's actually quite a few different programs at MIT and at other schools. Um, do you have uh, the list of uh, what the other programs are for anyone interested in looking into it? So for MIT, I think it's uh, there's uh, statistics and probability. There's one in manufacturing. There's one in economics, one in finance. Right, and development. That's the one I was interested in. Yeah, and then there's the supply chain management. Oh, and I think there's a big data kind of data analytics one, maybe. Yeah, I think so. So they're either five or six. I'm not. I'm not sure. You know, uh, the 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 program is hosted on a platform called edX, right? edX was founded by MIT and Harvard, and the idea is to bring you know education to the world. So you'll find a bunch of courses online offered by different universities, by different organizations, even like Microsoft. So, so there's like a lot of content to learn from, but then like they've created those programs rather than just courses. So you take a bunch of course and this gives you like, it could be like part of the MicroMasters series or the X series. And I think there's like full on masters now being offered through the edX platform. And it's, it's really something that's very timely, um, you know, with like the whole COVID pandemic thing. Distance learning, I mean, is, is like the, is a big thing today, right? And this was back in 2015. Almost the new normal. Is the new normal, right. Yeah. So what was it like to eventually come to campus? Did you feel that the program, you know, afforded you more than just the flexibility of being able to do it on your own time, but also prepared you for what it would be like to be on campus? So they did hold group sessions. Uh, they did hold, um, they did provide us with like some case studies and stuff, but I don't think I was really prepared to coming on campus um, or like I, I haven't pictured myself coming on campus like when I started the program. You know, it was like something that I'm doing on the side just to learn something new. Uh, but like the, the feeling coming on campus was like so surreal. You know, you've been interacting with like some of the students online on like the discussion boards, the WhatsApp groups and the professors for like two years. So you, like, you know them and, and you come on and, and you come to campus to actually meet them. So it was like... Uh, a very surreal moment. And uh, as you can imagine, coming to campus was a completely different world. You're no longer on your own. Sure, the online community was large, but everyone lived different lives in multiple time zones. And the social component is minimal compared to being on campus and living in close proximity. And what were some of the big differences in terms of the courses uh, of, of the ones you were taking online and the ones you were taking in person? Did you have more exams, more group projects? What was it like uh, from that standpoint? So here's something interesting. Um, 
initially they they started off with offering the, these courses like for the micromasters right but then they i think one of the courses at least today like even for students on campus they have to take it online through the edX platform oh wow they were able, even able to learn like from uh, or offer what what has been offered online like to the students even on campus and like in terms of differences, obviously there's big differences uh, between learning online and on campus. Online, you're fully dependent on your own. There's no really group discussions, and like this was like the the biggest thing. Like the biggest difference, obviously, is is being is being there, asking the questions yourself, having those group discussions and um, the group projects, and not having to worry about a time difference either. Oh yeah, that that, that too. <laughs> that too. Um, so, like, you know, like MIT's culture is very much um, encouraging on collaboration. So that's one thing that they told us during orientation is to, to be, uh, you know, we're not here to compete with one another. We're here basically to, to learn. And, um, you know, they, they then go into the describing like the, the fire hose example. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you had that too. Where like, you know, coming yeah. to MIT is like drinking from a fire hose, drinking from a fire hose where, you know, there's so much information and it's up to you to to grab as much information as you want. Right. And it, it's the same thing like with with the, with interacting with the people there is, um, you know, you need to get the most out of out of it and not basically go in with like the mentality of I want to compete. I want to, you know, get the highest grades. No, it's it's more about, you know, having like those discussions especially when it comes to like group projects or like even even assignments, you know? So you took that collaborative spirit uh, to heart and, and eventually teamed up with some of your fellow students, right? Yeah. So um, even like prior to coming to MIT, while we were doing the uh, MicroMasters online, a bunch of us would have discussions on, you know, what's going on in, in your parts of the world. Um, hey, maybe we can team up in... And finding you know a solution that we can work on together, and one of my business partners, uh, Salim Shahsi, is from Oman. Uh, we've been having like those talks since 2016, and then after graduation, one day like we decided to host him, myself, and our third co-founder Ade Barka, who's from Canada, decided to host like this small event in the uh, the CTL building where we we gathered a bunch of people from our class. And talked about, you know, what's next, uh, where are we going, um, you know, in terms of work, in terms of if, is anyone willing to or is anyone up to finding uh, to, uh, to working together on, on like a startup idea. And there was a few uh, ideas that, that, that came about. But then we graduated. Each one went their separate ways. And it was just us three that, that kept in touch, at least like with regards to this like uh, startup ideas. And we started like to go through different uh, business models and ideas. And in 2019, we've incorporated uh, the ArcFlow and it is like, and basically finalized our, our vision into what it is today. Amazing. So it really was a, a way for you to connect with people uh, globally uh, who are interested in similar challenges and similar issues and and really actually come to a solution together so how how has it been like uh since then what what are you up to with your startup initially it's been tough working remotely and online especially with like the time zone differences so we're on three different time zones but we've been very persistent 
Um, it really helped that uh, each one of us had something to offer, uh, either from a tech background or um, like direct experience in, in, in the industry. Yeah, so, so the idea was basically help companies uh, collaborate with one another in logistics. Uh, but then like this expanded into, to, into, to include sourcing and procurement as well. So we've, what we've found um, during the past uh, few years, a lot of the organization's um, business functions do not collaborate well, uh, do not have a standard form of collaboration with one another. So basically, like they use emails, uh, Excel sheets, phone calls, WhatsApp. And this is like very unstructured forms of communication, right? So there's a lot of data that's not being gathered and put and analyzed. And this is like what we, we've been targeting. You know, and an organization like might have um, like a good ERP system or a TMS system, but then there's this small gap from, let's say, when they place an order from their supplier to receiving that order. This gap here is is all being communicated like in in several email threads, um, Excel sheets, um, unstructured forms of, of communication. And what we've said was, okay, we can fill this gap with this platform by having them, you know, being able to create their orders on it, and then uh, choosing a certain workflow template. So it also helps companies like standardize their, their workflow, their internal workflows, as well as uh, their communications with other companies. So have you been able to test this uh, on, on your family company? Yes, we have. And we've been very successful at it. So it started off with like our family business, um, onboarding them, onboarding their clients onto it. Uh, so we've we've seen how it impacted like the way the company communicates with it, with its clients. But then uh, during the pandemic, it really slowed sales. And then just just like midway during summer, we were able to onboard uh, bigger uh, organizations and that are basically into manufacturing and trading. The pandemic created a need for such a thing. When when people are working remotely, uh, they can't be in off- in the office. Uh, sometimes uh, they might be sick. So you need to know what everyone's up to. Uh, so it was a way where companies' management can can have this dashboard. What kind of orders are they expecting to, in, in terms of imports, in terms of exports? And, you know, who's doing what? Who's not been doing what? And are we closing our milestones on time? And if not, then why not? So... Were there any uh, other accomplishments in your MicroMasters that you'd like to highlight? And I was very fortunate uh, to be able to work on something that's also related to uh, shipping and transportation and even bring back Aqaba into, uh, into the picture uh, with my capstone project. So, so we've looked at uh, how outside policies like from government, uh, governmental policies can impact the productivity inside the terminal. Basically, we've developed this small simulation model, uh, myself and my partner, Queenie Chan. And then our co-advisors, uh, Dr. Chris Mahia and Dr. Nima Kazmi, encouraged us after uh, we graduated to pursue public- publicizing the, uh, the, the findings. That's amazing. And um, we've recently submitted our papers for publication and uh, fingers crossed, it should be out like in sometime in the summer. So I, I want to take this time to maybe ask you, since you've had such a, a long-term experience with you know the b- 
business and how things work in the Middle East in terms of the private sector. And then you've also had to look at the way things work at MIT and how quickly things move. What is some piece of advice you would give to someone in the Arab world who's looking to shake up the industry and, and make their mark? I think it would take time. Uh, it, takes, it takes a lot of time especially in organizations that have been there for long and, and their employees are, let's say, older. You know, sometimes they, they might think that, that tech or digitization is a threat to them. But, and, and this is where like, the approach should be different when it comes to uh, dealing with like, the older generation, the younger generation, or like, with like, different people, depending on, on their positions as well, in their position at work. Selling to businesses, is, especially IT, is, is really difficult in the Arab world specifically because um, you really need to help them feel that they are a part of this and they're not being threatened. Bil'aks, they're, they're, they're basically being empowered, you know, like this, this is something that can help you uh, spend less time doing, uh, you know, finding something or... Elevate the business. Exactly, yeah. And in turn, like this, this is something that would, would, you know, help the employee themselves in... You know, doing maybe less work or at least like organizing things, um, just doing things more efficiently, right? Right. So what I'm hearing is to have patience and perseverance and, and think about how you are impacting uh, the company that you're approaching or the industry that you're entering and how they are perceiving your entry into that industry. So just push through with it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and really, like it took a pandemic for some companies to realize that they really need something like that. Right. And a lot of people have been seeing and experiencing the, the push that the pandemic has uh, provided, and, and especially in terms of the digital world and uh, also a lot of different things that are getting adopted today. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mahmoud, uh, I... I'm aware that we are reaching the end of our episode, so I wanted to take some time since we do this with uh, all the people we interview, and as you know, as the editor, that we would like to maybe have some nostalgia moments and ask you about what's one thing uh, you miss about MIT? The people. R- really, the people. I know like everyone else said, said that because like, I've been editing and like, listening to the other podcasts, but it, it really was, it really is the people. Um, just a feeling that, you know, when, when you're there, um, everyone has something to offer. It's like the, the vibe from, from the people and the culture. I was uh, very fortunate to be a part of an amazing cohort and group of people from both my peers and professors. Uh, we were in total a group of 80 students in the SCM program, or smugglers as the program called us. And it wasn't only about the classroom and the project. We also made sure to make the most out of our time there. Uh, Beyond the classroom, we did everything together, or at least whenever possible. From skiing in the winter to playing soccer, sailing, and waking up at 6 a.m. to row. Uh, We went camping together to Maine, organized a few trips, and glad to stay. We are still in touch. Well, thank you so much, Matmoon, for joining, and uh, great to have you on the other side of the microphone. We hope to be hearing from you again soon. And, and uh, thanks for all the support uh, you've given to uh, Unlimited. Thanks for having me, Dana. And it's been a pleasure working with you. That was Ma'moon Tukan, 
treasurer of the MIT Arab Alumni Association. And thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Unlimited. As we're wrapping up the board series, we have one more board member that you still haven't heard their story, and that's me. And one of the members of our podcast team, Adin Bahur, will actually be our co-host. So stay tuned uh, and check it out. As always, a huge shout out to our podcast team, Arin Omar and Ma'moon. So thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.